Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2015 and beyond. I am Ryan. With me always is James. And Brad isn't here, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to report that he was up till three in the morning filming for his Jean Claude Van Damme's damn van. See, the last two words of Jean Claude Van Damme then became the first two words of the name of the movie. That's right. It's clever. Um, I, he's crazy. Yeah, he totally is. But I saw that I saw that post to him thanking all the people who were up super late helping him finish that thing, and it, yeah. I don't know how he does it. I'm too old for that stuff now. I know, dude. It's like it's like eleven o'clock now, and I'm already like, man, I should be in bed. <laughs> Do you hear I, I how I censored myself because my niece is in the room? I was gonna say, yeah. I really censored myself on that. Well, line. you know, we saw a kids' movie. We're yeah. allowed to do like a, a look how cute uh, my niece a... is too. She's playing softball today. <laughs> she stole home and slid. Oh, she stole home. She, I heard she that she's she short. Beat, I didn't know she, stole. she beat the throw. It was great. That's awesome. Kicked up the chalk. Dust settled. She was safe. So we're so we're very proud of Taylor. Cool. Uh, every week we go see a new movie, James. We do, and we podcast our experience of the world. We now, do. Technically, this isn't a new movie this week. Uh, well, but I it's mean, new it's, to us. it's new. It was new a week ago. It was yeah, new. we like, went saw still How to Train Your Dragon too. Define new. Um, if you're new to the podcast, you're wondering like, oh, great. Now I have to sit through them talking about How to Train Your Dragon 2 first. Haha, <laughs> not so fast. We also talk about movie news, stuff we've been watching, box office stats, a comic book. I have a great one this week. Oh, good. Um, and what did I miss? I comic book news. We talk about movies and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Watch your language. Hey, by the way, James, that's a really cool shirt you got on today. Th- thanks. I know you're colorblind, but it's a really cool, like, orange and blue shirt. It is. It's an orange and blue sort of. It's one of the many so plaid can you, can shirts. You, can you that see I wear. that color? Yeah, I can. What colors can't you see? I'm sorry. Um, Describe it to me one more time. So, <laughs> oh man, I've got friends who are listening who are like, "Oh my gosh, I've heard this speech thirteen thousand times." Well, maybe we have a new listener um, who's never heard it before. No, absolutely. Um, I it's reds and greens. I if if those colors are in small amounts, my eyes just don't pick them up very mm. well. Um, so the example I always use is um, like. Right now, you're wearing a, a Mario shirt, yep. and he's wearing blue pants. Mm-hmm. Um, but if his pants were actually purple, mm-hmm. so it was like a blue with a little bit of red in it, my eyes might not pick up the red very well. So mm. I might just see the blue pants, and then you'd be like, no, those are purple pants, So, James. like, Wario is a trouble for you. Is Wario purple? Yeah, he wears purple pants. Uh, d- dude, I didn't know that. See? Yeah, no, totally. Is, is, is uh, Waluigi also purple? Uh, his top is purple. Okay. And his hat's purple. I wouldn't, oh, nope, nope. I thought his hat was blue. Hmm. So yeah, that's exactly what it is. Interesting. It's it's really rare. It's only happened once where I pulled a shirt out of my clothes, uh, like the, as I was folding it up, and it was I knew it was red because it was, or I knew it was green because it was a CSU shirt. But I stared at it and it was red, hmm. and I stared at it and it was red. And then I grabbed something I knew was red and held it up to it next to it, and it was green. Um, but that's only ever happened once. So it's just that my eyes are broken. It's all right, but you know what? It isn't your heart? It's always in the right place. Oh, why? Um, so <laughs> now we're like a little less tired. Um, if people uh, listen to our podcast last week, you're like, wow, these guys sound tired. Uh-huh. It's uh, cause we just got done doing Comic-Con. Um, yeah. we did a lot of panels this year. You actually did more than me, which is, I did. is a first time in three years. I sat at the same table as Edward James almost. And he said the line, it's too bad. She won't live. But then it went again. Who does? And it was awesome. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, what, was your, what was your, uh, f- oh, you're right. What was yeah. your favorite uh, panel you did? Um, not that one. Because no offense to Edward James, almost, but there was a there was a lot of politics. 
um, which is cool. It just was it was not as as much fun. Um, honestly, I'm gonna say Walter Koenig because um, I I also did um, Peter Davidson and Sylvester McCoy or uh, yeah, um, and they were awesome. But there was this really wonderful moment in Walter Koenig where um, this somebody got up and was asking a question about. You know, when when you guys were making Star Trek, you know, he played Chekhov. Um, when you guys were making Star Trek, did you did you feel like, did you really ever believe that the technology that you were sort of imagining up on the show uh, would ever actually be plausible or that you would have as big of an impact on the scientific world as you did? Um, and he sort of played it off and pretended like, well, no, we'd really be where we are now if not for the, if the show hadn't existed. Everything would be the same, which, A, is not true. All you have to do is go ask, like, anybody who works at NASA and talk about how inspired they were by Star Trek. D- dude, like, the space station is designed the way it is because of how much people love Star Trek. Like, Star Trek had a huge impact on our technology. It really did. Um, but... He he sort of admitted he was going to get up on his soapbox, and he, for for just a few minutes, he talked about the fact that, you know, yes, all the scientific stuff happened, and that was really cool. But the, what the show was really about was about a future, this sort of utopian future where people of all different cultures could come together and work together and build, uh, and you know, go and explore space and all that stuff. Uh, and that that's really what was really important about the show, and was really what. Roddenberry was trying to communicate. Um, and it was sort of an emotional moment for me where, because I've always been such a huge fan, and I, what he was basically saying was like, yeah, no, the technology's all cool and such, but the technology's not really what that show was about. Um, and we may have sort of missed the point of Star Trek to some degree. Like, we all, we all know that's what he was saying, but it's unfortunate that we could be so successfully inspired by the technology of that show. And so unsuccessfully inspired by the actual purpose. Um, you know, c- can I say something that's uh, yeah. funny? So I actually came in right in the middle of his speech that you're talking about. Yeah. And um, when he was close to getting done, I didn't want to go up right away because he was so passionate. I'm like, I don't want to be that guy who's like, oh, look at me, I just came in. And um, at Denver Comic Con this year, what was really great is the media had the first two rows in all the panel rooms. Yeah. So I was able, so I was going to be right in front, so I didn't want to be the guy who's like, oh, look at the guy who's coming in late. He thinks he's so cool because he's media. Yeah. Um, but as, but as uh, I'm coming up, um, and he's just finishing, uh, it's a really cute moment. The look on your face and uh, your applauding was, was worth the price of admission because <laughs> it's like finally someone gets Star Trek and to yeah. hear him talk is is really uh, great. Um, yeah. uh, my favorite story that he told was about the space shuttle um, Enterprise mm-hmm. and how you know they played the Star Trek theme and then he realized how big Star Trek was is really yeah. uh, is really kind of a cute moment. Which is what's funny because that's the when he was talking about like well I think the technology would still be where it is today without Star Trek. Like my first thought was dude there's a enter- there's a space shuttle named after your TV show mm-hmm. like. Are you kidding me? Like, um, so yeah, and he was he was really great. Everybody there, everybody that I met was was wonderful and super sweet, and um, they're all very down to earth. You know, uh, Edward James almost told me I did a good job. That nice. was cool. Yeah, I didn't do anything. I did nothing. I said his name. Nice. Um, though he doesn't know this, but he's not listening. So when I came out on the stage, um. Like I, there was this rumble in the crowd and they had his name up on the screens behind me and I was hearing like some whispering and stuff and I turned around and sure enough, um, 
they had spelled his name wrong. They had left out one of the D's in Edward. So it wasn't it wasn't like they just didn't know his name right. It was just like somebody had mistyped it. Um, and some people were sort of poking at it. And I, I sort of like, I looked at it and I looked back at the crowd and I looked at it and I looked back at the crowd and then I like held up a, a finger like one minute and I started to walk off stage and everybody started to laugh. And then I came back and I was like, all right, I don't want to go tell him. So seriously, somebody should take that off the screen. <laughs> and they changed it. Um, so... I, I aver I, I made sure that we didn't insult Edward James almost by misspelling the name Edward. Um so maybe I saved him for Comic Con. Nice. I don't know. Uh my favorite one is obviously Kevin Conroy. In, yeah, man. Um, I wish I could have seen that one. One of one of the reasons why is I've done man, I, I would say that Kevin Conroy has moved my fifteenth panel I've done at Denver Comic Con. I don't even it's, know. It's somewhere around there. Um but he he's the uh He's the first celebrity that was there early. Oh, yeah? So, I, I actually, I got there about 15 minutes early, and I was introducing myself to the stagehands and the manager and everything. I said, hey, have you talked to Mr. Conroy? You know, does he have any requests? Yeah. And uh, Amber was her name, and she said, hey, if you want, he's hanging out out in the back uh, behind the, the stage was huge. Yeah. Uh, you did the uh, Walter Kenning one, so you know... Behind, backstage, you have a huge area, but then they have in the hallway, and Mr. Conroy was there. Oh, cool. And so That's I where said, they were doing like interviews and stuff like that, I think. Oh, maybe they were. Um, so I said, yeah, yeah, is it cool if I go out there? She said, oh, let me go check and see if he's, it's okay. And so she goes back. She's like, yeah, yeah, come on back. Uh, and so I go back there, and he's just sitting there drinking some water. And I said, hi, Mr. Conroy. My name's Ryan. I'm your moderator. I just want to say it's an honor meeting you. And he looked at me, and he says, hello, Ryan. It's a great meeting you too, in like his really cool Bruce Wayne voice, <laughs> and I, the fanboy in me, almost took over. So close, <laughs> but I was able to rein it in. Um, and awesome. of course, I said, "Hey, is there anything you uh, want me to say?" He said, "No, Ryan. I just need you to talk about the show." I said, "Awesome," uh, and I asked him. I said, "Hey," and it was actually early. I said, "You want to start this?" He said, "Well, how many people are out there?" I said, uh, "It's." full <laughs> it's completely full <laughs> right and he said really like he was shocked that that many people would come out to see him uh yeah because i don't know how many people can sit in the main one i think it's like three thousand two thousand oh, it like was that. it was big um so i went out there and uh i introduced him and dude the audience blew up it was yeah. amazing as far as i'm concerned he was one of the most important celebrities there oh yeah um like he to me is bigger than yeah, the majority of the people there. Oh, uh, it was for sure. Like, especially as far as just how influential, you know. Oh yeah. Um, and what was so cool is, um, he's a f well. I did the Jeremy Bullock who played Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, and he really wanted me to interact with him, which was really cool. I, uh, I mean, it's easy to say, hey, what's it like to play Boba Fett? Blah blah blah. Um, but then he really got into he pulled people on stage at improv with him. Jeremy Bullock did. Hmm. Um, so it was a really fun little um panel. Um, Mr. Conroy, when I went up there. He said, well, you know, he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll start it off, and then you can, uh, you can uh, finish it, or, you know, if you have any questions you want to ask. I said, oh, it's probably ones you've heard a million times. He's like, yeah, but I still love hearing them. <laughs> Just, like, so cool. You know, like, if you picture somebody cool, yeah. it's definitely Kevin Conroy. Um, That's and, awesome. And so we go up there, and he's chit-chatting, he's telling stories, and um, I ask, I forget what question. Um, stay tuned to Real Nerds Podcast. We're actually going to post the uh, panel. Um, hopefully we can, it, it might, the sound might be a little off, but we can post it. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, I forget the question I asked him, but he looked at me and he looked at me, he's like, wow, Ryan, that's a great question. 
and it just made my day. <laughs> um, but then uh, the panel went on, and you know when the stagehands come by you and they do like the two minutes, yeah, and you have to say, "Hey guys, I'm sorry, this is the last question." The audience there's like, "Okay," and they, everybody else sat down. Mm-hmm. There's one guy left, and he asked a question about. He said, "You know, I, I heard a panel where you sang, and I was hoping that maybe you could sing a little for us." And so. Mr. Conroy just like gathers himself and starts singing this beautiful opera song in this beautiful baritone. And I'm just sitting there amazed. And so when he's done, I get up and give him a standing ovation. He waves, and that's the last thing he did was sing the song to the audience. And so we're coming down the stage, and I go around the corner, and uh, he comes up to me. He's like, hey, Ryan, how that sound? Was that good? I was, I'm worried because the air's so dry here. Kevin Conroy just asked me if he sounded good singing opera. It it was beautiful. And as he was leaving, I said, hey, Mr. Conroy, I actually uh, have a shirt from our podcast that our friend Brad designed, and Batman's part of it. It It's the Joker and Bane on it. And I was hoping I could give it to you. I said, if you want, you can throw it in the trash. (laughs) And uh, he says, nah, bro, I'll fucking take it. (laughs) So Kevin Conroy cussed at me and took our shirt uh, (laughs) like we were friends. And it was amazing. So it was... It's funny because, like, I... I was actually really surprised as well that I, I, that's the thing I hate most about moderating is, is that moment where I have to like butt in and be like, this is the last question. Mm. I'm sorry. Um, cause sometimes I'm always afraid. Sometimes I'm afraid that the celebrity, especially if they, if they're one of those people who likes to do like 20 minute answers that the celebrity is going to like turn on me as well. Yeah. Um, like Edward James almost did a little bit, mm-hmm. um, where he was like, no, don't I have an hour? And I was like, uh, and I looked at the people around me, and it was the last panel of the con. Um, so thankfully, the, those people were like, "You can go an extra ten minutes." And so I, I gave nice. them an extra ten minutes. But um, on the first, on Walter Koenig, yeah, same kind of thing. Like I said, last question, and everybody went and sat down very quietly, and I was like, "Awesome." And then uh, on my my biggest fear is also that like you're gonna offer somebody the last question, and that question's gonna suck, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just gonna be just a dumb question or just like a waste of people's time. And for the doctor who panel, um, I, I just hit a gold mine because that last question was, um, a question about feminism in doctor who and feminism and racism in doctor who, like why there hasn't been a, a female or a black or, you know, non white doctor yet. Um, and it was, it was given by, a deaf woman and then translated by someone else. So it was like, it was just a knockout of the part. Like, here's an awesome question from an awesome fan. Like, this is just cool. And so of course those guys ran with it and it was great. Um, so yeah, I was, I was very pleased by how, you know, what's funny is actually, I forgot the moment though. Uh, actually made Mr. Conroy laugh really loud. Yeah. Um, cause I said, Hey guys, I know it sucks, but this is the last question. Unless it sucks, I'm going to ask somebody else in the audience a question. <laughs> and Mr. Conroy's like, "Oh, I love it." it was, I forgot that moment that I had with him. Uh, uh, so it was great. Uh, yeah. So that was definitely a highlight of the week. Well, you know, uh, moderating um, George's Jaunty yeah. was definitely dude. a highlight again because always cool. So, dude, like I think, so he gave me the Green Goblin for free. Yeah. Again, right. he gave me Gwen, Gwen Stacy last year for free because yeah. he thought it was no good. Um, he's crazy, right? But I think he gave this one for to me for free, because I think he realized that I'm such a fan of his art that he n- knew like I wouldn't try to resell it, yeah, or that you know it was for for me personally, right? Because yeah. I was really specific on what I wanted. Well, it. because you, I mean, you told him like, hey, that Gwen Stacy's on my wall. I want to hang this right next mm-hmm. to it. 
Um, and I said, I want to make like a George's like death of Gwen Stacy yeah. thing. And he says, okay, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I want the goblin to be looking back at Gwen, like, you know, facing her. And I actually had a, envisioned like a profile. Yeah. And I was just staring at her. But he did this like really cool, like his head's kind of cocked. The eyes are like just zeroed in on her. And he he asked for a reference and I gave him uh, my favorite goblin is by Sal Basuma. And he took it and made it like a George's green yeah. goblin, like the chin. It's awesome. And uh, so it's I, super awesome. Yeah, it's uh, just a high, and we gave him a Blu-ray of us. That's all he wanted. He said, "Okay, well, you can give me a Blu-ray of yeah. your show," and uh, it was great. Yeah, it was great. So uh, thanks again to the organizers of Denver Comic Con, um, Chris, Sam, um, because uh, Beth, Beth, Seth. Seth. Seth is good. Because of them. Uh, uh, Lily, who's one of the like crew now. I think she was a volunteer before. All the volunteers, man, were so great this year. Yeah. Um, and all the and crew I have, people. Actually, I have one more cute story, and then we'll and move I'm, on to our actual show. Um, I went to Coins, Cards, and Comics, which, you know, if you go to 6700 Wadsworth Boulevard in Denver, Colo- Denver Arvada, Colorado, and talk to Andrew for any of your comic needs, he'll take care of them. Um, it was a great moment. Chris is Bruce's wife. Um, and every Thursday or Friday when I'm there, when I get my comics, she's the one who checks out. She's like the cash register. Mm-hmm. Super nice lady. I always give her some like uh, free food for the place I work at. I'm like, yeah, hey, here's some, you know, free chips and guacamole or whatever coupons they give me. Yeah. Um, and the last time and when I was there, uh, I, I saw Andrew there and his uh, and he said, hey, man, someone came from Denver Comic Con and told them that the real nerds send them here. Really? Um, I said, like, oh, that's really cool. And uh, so I was checking out with Chris, and uh, she said, hey, aren't you the guys who are real nerds? She said, I really want to thank you guys, because people are coming and saying that they heard <laughs> you talk about us on the show. Uh, and I was like, oh, that just like made me feel really good that people yeah. actually listen to our show and go visit the best comic store in Colorado. It totally is, man. Um, so stay it's tuned. For, you know, it's for their own good. It really is the best store. Like it is, and and I was really and at I was the very least in Denver. I mean, I haven't gone to every comic store, but I I can genuinely say it's the best comic store in Denver. Um, and it was really cool too. I told uh, Chris, she said, you know, um, Bruce and me have kind of been resistant to go to Denver Comic Con, and because they didn't know. Yeah. And I said, well, you know what? Next year, I'm sure we'll have um, extra passes, and we'll help you get in, and we can show you around. And she's like, really, you'll do that for me? And Ooh. absolutely, a- anytime. Um, yeah. You know, because Andrew was great this year. He watched our booth while we had our own panel. Yeah. Um, so just uh, hats off to everybody at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. Yeah. Great people. Place is awesome. Speaking of comics, since we're doing that one, I'll go right into sure. our comic book of the week. What's up, nerds? It's the Comics Corner. This is one of recommended me to me by Andrew. Um, lately, I've been going back and rereading Batgirl. Um I really liked the character design before. I, I've never really read an issue. I mean, obviously, I knew who she is. And um, and when they relaunched the new 52, you know, Barbara Gordon's back being Batgirl. And it has kind of a darker tone. It's written by Gail Simone. And it's like, oh, that's really, it's kind of a cool book. The art's really great in it. Um, it's really psychological. Um, so I was telling Andrew, I was like, hey, we got a Batgirl to my poll. And he says, dude, you have to pick up this trade. I says, all right, which one? And the trade I'm going to tell you to pick up that I got and I read in, like, one day is called uh, Batgirl and Robin Year One, where they retell the origins of Robin and Batgirl. 
um, with amazing art by uh, Marcos Martin and somebody else. But yeah. um, Marcos Martin did a lot of Spider-Man and stuff, and his art's really cool. Um, and it's just basically a retelling of um, Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon as they're getting their start. And Is it like separate stories, or are they yeah. running like parallel? Uh, it's separate stories. I was reading the little um, stuff in the back, and the Robin's only uh, four issues, but the Batgirl was nine issues. Mm. So the Batgirl story is really great. Um, the art's fantastic. The writing is spot on. Um, the Robin story has really cool um, interactions with classic villains, like the Mad Hatter's the the main villain at where he's kidnapping people at uh, Dick's school. And so Dick knows, you know, these people, and he does investigation, and him and Batman solve it. Um, the Batgirl is a coming-of-age tale. It's a wonderful book. It really is. And you know me. I'm not a big DC Comics guy. Yeah. But I, I get behind great writing, and I love uh, when women are portrayed in comics in a positive way. Yeah. And Batgirl is definitely one of them in this year one. Um, if you go to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics, and you want to get Batgirl Robin year one, it's listed at twenty four ninety nine. Guess how much they charge me for it? Twenty dollars, twenty percent off. What? And like I said, it's thirteen issues, so it's a big, yeah. it's a big trade. That's a thick one. So, and it's beautiful. It, it's a wonderful story. The art is fantastic in it. Um, so definitely pick up Batgirl Robin Year One for twenty dollars at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. Very cool. Um, so thanks, Andrew. Another another fantastic read. He's awesome. Um, I'm gonna change it up again. Okay, James. Uh, bust out the real news. Okay. It's real news. Um, I'm gonna give you a choice. Okay. Do you want to start with the saddest news of the week or the awesomest news of the week? Um, this is obviously by I made the choice of what's what means what awesome means and what sad means. So. Um. Let's do awesome. Okay. I think the most awesome news this week is that Ryan Johnson has been picked to direct and maybe even write as well this, what will be Star Wars 8. Nice. Um, and they're rumoring even Star Wars 9. Like, there are some people saying it's two movies, but um, the idea that Disney is picking somebody as eclectic and uh, talented as Ryan Johnson That's awesome. and really taking a chance on somebody like him who's not done a, a big budget movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, necessarily, I mean, Looper was thirty million dollars, and but it's and not amazing. Be two hundred fifty million, right? <laughs> right, like he's never run a two hundred fifty million dollar project before, um, and messed with a franchise as huge as Star Wars, right? Um, but just looking at like the choices that they have made and who they are entrusting that franchise to is one of the most encouraging things about those movies. Oh, Some yeah. of them will suck; it's inevitable. Um, but like, it's I. I wasn't excited, like genuinely excited about Star Wars until they started making some of these announcements. But what's really and Ryan Johnson's one of the coolest ones yet. But you're absolutely right because, I mean, it's not just, you know, J.J. Abrams launching it, which I think is a great idea. Yeah, oh, totally. But no, no, then, no, you know, the spinoffs, they're hiring, you know, Gareth Edwards is doing the second one. Right. Who's doing the first one again? Uh, oh, the guy remember. who did uh, Chronicle. Uh, yeah. I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name either, but, I mean, they're just taking different people yeah. and they're making it really fascinating mm-hmm. and you're getting um people like a george lucas in the 70s where you're an independent it's, filmmaker exactly. and you think outside the box totally the truth is ryan, ryan johnson is actually now that you say it that way one of the one of the most similar directors to a george lucas at yeah. that time um 
you know, mm-hmm. Looper being his THX and and Brick being his American Graffiti. Oh yeah, hands down. Um, or or uh, Brothers Bloom. He, I I think part of it is just that I really love Ryan Johnson because I feel like. I saw Brick in theaters, and I feel like I've been tracking him since he mm-hmm. like really started, and he's been one of my favorite up-and-comers. And so to see somebody as talented as he is, because he is genuinely brilliant. Um, he even has a poem that has stuck with me for years called The Man with the Herringbone Hat, which is awesome. Like It's a two-page amazing poem. Um, and to see somebody like him really get a chance like this is just it's just great. You know what's funny is it's cool seeing directors like that because I love Scott Derrickson. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know he made Hellraiser, but I loved Exorcism, Emily Rose, and and to see him and then too. And then Sinister was Sinister, really weird. And then I mean, his. You know, I was worried about what movie to see over the Fourth of July, but his new movie got bumped up to July second. Oh yeah. So cool. We're seeing Deliver Us from Evil. Oh great. Um, I'm sure it'll be wonderful, but you know me. Yeah, but I mean, it's just cool because, and even someone like Sam Raimi, who I loved, who I still love, is my favorite director. Yeah. To see him go from Evil Dead and right. um, Quick and the Dead, and then you know he gets your favorite comic book character. Yeah, sometimes some things are just meant to be. It's awesome. It is. So I'll save the sa- the sad news for last. Then okay. um, did you see that trailer for the Judge? I'm only bringing it up because it's Robert Downey Jr. I actually think great. that looks pretty good. Yeah, um, they're probably showing you too much of the movie, but um, it's a neat uh, yeah. looking. Um, it, it, you know what's cool is to see him uh, go back to a movie like that. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love all his big blockbusters. But when he can sit back and kind of just be Robert Downey Jr. is kind of a cool thing. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for it. I think it comes out in October. Yeah. Um, uh, the the Breaking Bad spinoff, Better Call Saul, both got delayed by a year and also renewed for a second why did, why season. Why did they re- delay? I, didn't, I saw it got renewed. I didn't see why they delayed it, though. I don't know. I don't think they've really said yet. I think they're just still working on some stuff. AMC's um, weird. Maybe uh, maybe they've got some plan for how they're going to release it, or, or I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think they there were like some rumors about it, but uh, I do you think they're trying? Trust. Maybe they're going to debut it when the final half of the last season of Mad Men comes out or something, and maybe maybe, maybe, yeah, build maybe an audience like that. But do you really need to build an audience for it? I, I know people are really no, excited huge. about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I'm more curious. I love Breaking Bad, but like it was always to me a weird spinoff. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I'll check it out for yeah, sure. Yeah, might as well. Um, and obviously they have some confidence in it if they've already renewed it. Um, Harrison Ford is going to make a remake of My Left Foot. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> Harrison Ford broke his left leg. I know. Is that crazy? Um, which, yeah, it, it's a weird, It's a thing that like we we could have talked about last week, but it, it was like room. I remember reading the first article, and it was written like an Onion article. Yeah. Like it was it was written like this really silly slapsticky well, thing. Well, because originally they thought he just like twisted his ankle really bad. Right, yeah. Um and it, I I think it's gotten blown. Like I've read about it so many times and seen art, so many articles about it now. I think it's probably gotten blown out of proportion to some degree. Like okay, yes, he's older. Yes, it's going to take him longer to, for it to heal and things like that. But I I doubt that in the Star Wars movies he was doing a whole lot of stunts. No, and like I read, they will um, find a way to work around. Well, this. I read yeah too. All they're going to do is move all his scenes to the end of the movie. <laughs> right, shoot. like so this is not a disaster. Like I mean, it sucks for him. Like yeah. I don't want. I don't like having Harrison Ford get hurt. Uh, it's just interesting, like, how big of a deal this it has is. become. Um, I do kind of feel like just because he's older, people are like, oh, my gosh, will he ever walk again? Like, no, he's going to be fine. Yeah. You realize he's got a shit ton of money and he's Harrison Ford, right? Like, he's he's going to be he okay. He still looks great. I can't believe he's 71. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, like, he's 71. He was running around on a movie set. And, yeah, he's going to fall and break his leg or, or something's going to hit him and break his leg. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. 
Um, so unfortunately, now we're down to the the saddest news of the week. Um, we they, this is this is shocking. Um, I mean, honestly, like this might this might like actually put like a date on when we can ha- like when we have to stop doing the show um, because it was announced this week that that the the final Resident Evil movie. Like or the next Resident Evil movie is the final Resident Evil movie. Know, like, it's pretty sad. I don't know if we can keep doing this show in a world <laughs> where there's not going to be more Paul W. S. Anderson West uh, Resident Evil well, movies. I will say it's it's funny because um, on IMDb and Flickster, yeah, the original I told you the original name of it was Resident Evil Afterbirth. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's horrible because it was supposed to f- it was supposed to come out this year. Yeah, um, but he hasn't even finished the script yet because you know. He's got Does all he that even money. Have scripts anymore? I mean, don't know. Like, they're going to be trapped underground, and the <laughs> rooms are going to change, and they're going to have to escape. I, I read an interview where he uh, he said, "Like I'm about halfway done with the first script, and we're not going to start production until we, you know, we at least have a, a, the first draft." And I was like, "Because you don't need right. a second draft. Like <laughs> you you just haphazardly like throw this sh- stuff together Do anyway." You know, like. What's funny about those movies is every single one's made more money than the last one worldwide. That's what's great. That's why it's insane that they're going to actually like stop making them, you know? And he it's must... called The Final Chapter. That's, yeah. a, that's a wink to Friday the 13th. Yeah, great. But um, if it makes you feel better. He's so creative. If it makes you feel better, James, Friday the 13th, The Final Chapter was the fourth part, and they made nine more after that. So I hope so. I really hope so. Otherwise, like I said, I'd, I don't know if I'll be able to find joy in films um, <laughs> if, if we don't have more just ridiculous, crummy Resident Evil movies coming out. Um, they all run together in my head. I really need to buy them and rewatch them all. Cause I, I them all if you want to borrow them. I don't remember the fifth one at all. Because yeah. I remember I remember the Afterlife, the fourth one, mm-hmm. that we, we saw in 3D in Fort Collins, you and mm-hmm. I, um, that was just horrible, like a, an absolute train wreck. Uh, that's the one where they were on the roof for a long time, and then like that one girl gets that spider thing in her chest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really Is don't remember. Afterlife? Yeah. Like at the very end, she's got it, and then the next mm. one starts with like that cool reverse shot of yeah, the, the fight. One. That's the fifth one, but then I don't remember what happens after that. Yeah, I remember they go to the underground sub base, and it's a really weird. Edit. Oh yeah, that's the one. That's the one where like they're in the town that keeps changing, mm-hmm. right? And then they have to get that elevator, and then yeah, it's like Michelle a, Rodriguez it's like a, dies in the ice. Yeah, it's like a video game. Yes, that was so stupid. I have them all. Movie here, is awesome. Um. But did you see? Uh, there's uh, there's some good news though. Um, oh okay. They have uh, I don't know what uh, trade show it is, but they go there and they have um, like promo stuff for action figures and mm-hmm. what's that called? I it was just this last oh. week. I don't know something I in Las Vegas. Um, but they had Hansel and Gretel two, which comes out next year. Really? They had uh, action figures for it. Uh, they uh, slate of the movies. Oh okay, cool. Um, or was it 2016? Well, it's coming out. Paramount said it's coming out. Yeah. Uh, which is exciting. Yes. Um, and then uh, the new Friday the 13th, which was scary because they talk about doing it found footage. Oh, okay. But now they're going to shoot it as a 3D Friday the 13th. Oh. So, yeah, be fun. Neat. And that one comes out next November. For the record, Hansel and Gretel is in no way comparable to Resident Evil. No. Hansel and Gretel is a cohesive, good, entertaining film. Uh, and a sequel will be well deserved. I know, because what do you have? Fight werewolves or something? That'd be awesome. I don't care. As long as it's still a witty, fun script, I really don't care what they do. Um, yeah, or get some more Jim Henson stuff in there. Yeah. Like that'd be yeah. sweet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Actually, so it would. It would totally be. dude. Like a 
like a, a werewolf that was designed by Jim Henson Factory, the way that the troll was, right? Like, yeah, we've never seen something like that. That would be cool. yeah, that'd be sweet. Uh, it may not look awesome, but it would it would be it would be interesting, right? Are um, Hansel and Gretel gonna have a American accents and be from Germany and still and like, the f- and basically the future with like shotguns yeah. and like modern slang? You know what? Yes, that's all I need. It, that's me all too. I need in me life. too. Yep. <laughs> Because you know what's uh, funny is I get an itch to watch that movie about once a month. Yeah, I should it's, really put this in. It's a cool movie. Like it. You know what's funny? I will stand year, by that movie forever. Last year, I'm pretty sure it's the movie I watched the most. I'm pretty sure it's it, the one. It I watched absolutely the most. is the movie I watched the most last year. That's so funny for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool. Real. News. Actually, actually, I think it's the second. I think I watched Evil Dead more than it. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Weird. Weird year for you. Yep. It was. What do we do next? Box office numbers. Okay. Fine. This is the box office stats. I got it. It's uh, 22 Jump Street with $57 million. Which is actually pretty awesome because it beat How to Train Your Dragon by $8 million. Yeah. How to Train Your Dragon. It absolutely is. Um, Uh, It's funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a a really great movie. And Taylor saw it. it. (laughs) Did you really? (laughs) She's she's smiling sheepishly. Oh, my. I know. Her mom. My mom would hate that. Because my my mom's only seen, uh, like she rolls her eyes so bad at Twenty One Jump Street. Really? Because the only thing she ever saw, she was flipping through, and she turned that on, and it was at the last scene. Taylor, have you seen the, the first one? Okay, so it was it was at the last scene where the guys rolling around on the gro- ground yelling, "You shot my dick off! <laughs> you shot my dick off!" and like just screaming it, and then he picks it up right mm-hmm. with his mouth. Um, and that's the only thing she's seen. Oh, man, and so I told her the uh, like, uh, yeah, I was on the phone with her the other day, and I was like, "Oh yeah, we're going to see How to Train Your Dragon this week because we went and saw Twenty Two Jump Street." And she was like, "No, you didn't." And I was like, "Yeah, like Twenty Two Jump Street is a really smart <laughs> meta movie that's really an intelligent commentary on like those kinds of action movies." Um, and she was like, "Ah," and I was like, "Yeah, you 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 saw the crudest joke <laughs> in the first movie," um, so. Yeah, it's just funny. That movie's awesome. great. Box Office Mojo supplies us with all our box office stats. These are the Blu-rays that you should pick up next week. DVD releases and Blu-rays. It's sort of a light week. Uh, it is. The biggest thing is actually A Hard Day's Night is getting a Criterion release. You know what's crazy is I've never seen... I'm a big Beatles fan. I've never yeah. seen those movies. I've seen A Hard Day's Night. Is it, it deserving of a Criterion? Um, I don't know. I... I remember kind of being bored by it because it's sort of like they they took a camera and followed the Beatles around for a while and like mm-hmm. filmed just some silly stuff. Um, I don't remember there being like it literally is the Beatles being the Beatles, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's just like some funny little antics that they run into. I don't even hardly remember there being much of a plot. Uh, but my dad, one one year, he was just like, "Oh man, we got to watch Hard Day's Night. You guys got to see it." And we bought it and watched it, and we were like, "Okay, now we've seen it." <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I should probably watch it again. I mean, it's it, it is a classic in some ways, just because it is of that time and has the Beatles in it. And you know, are you a fan of the Beatles music? Totally. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was way more a Beatles fan than like a Elvis or you mm. know Rolling Stones fan. So yeah, yeah, no, I love the Beatles. Yeah, me too. Um, the sixth season of the Next Generation comes out on Dude, Blu-ray Star this Trek week. Has the coolest like Blu-ray box sets. They are pretty neat. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm gonna be interested to see what the uh what the big one looks like. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what if they can get the seventh season up by Christmas. Maybe I'll 
splurge around Shit. Christmas and and get the whole box set. I bet that I bet it'll be really neat. Yeah. Um, like I my friend's box set's really cool. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Where is where is that by the it's way? It's up top. Doesn't fit anywhere else. Uh, left side. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's one of those big yeah. slide out ones. Yeah. Oh no, it does. It's, it comes in a huge like hardcover book. Oh yeah. Yeah. It oh, has an episode cool. guide and everything. It's really nice. That's really cool. Um, the first season of The Masters of Sex comes out this week. I wanted to see that. Um, I bet my wife would like that show. Oh, she totally will. She'll love it. Um, and I, ah, man, it's too bad. I really liked it, but I fell off after like five or six episodes. Mm. Um, it just got lost in the shuffle. It happens yeah. every now and then. Um, but I think it's definitely worth checking out. Um, there is a lot of nudity in that nice. show. Um, so be forewarned or attracted, whatever. <laughs> um, and then this this is way down at the bottom, so I almost don't trust it. But it says June twenty fourth, um, three hundred, the rise of an empire, the sequel to three hundred, comes out this week. But like it was at the bottom of digital bits, so apparently mm. no one has bought it yet, um, which is probably about what it deserves. So, <laughs> you see, you have a green naked. Um, yeah, it's uh, not worth it. <laughs> yeah, maybe if I get it for free someday. Yeah, we'll see. It, if if it were a dollar at Tradesmart, I probably wouldn't buy it. <laughs> and it's not like well, I think you it's see the new ad for Tradesmart. I think it's now you buy two, you get the third one for a dollar. What? Yeah, they totally changed their thing. Don't even need to go back to that store now. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless they change their pricing structure, because the truth is their used Blu-rays are, are way too expensive. Uh, the only reason it makes sense is because of that exactly. old deal. So if they mark them down more and then make it two, get one free, get one for a dollar, then then it makes sense. But if they don't, then I can. I'll just start going the second spin for a while. Yep. So, f them. Cool. And this is the stuff we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. James, what'd you watch this week? I didn't watch much. It, I, it's been a short week for us, right? Like yeah. the last time we recorded the show was Sunday, and then we ended up going on a Friday this week. Um, but uh, so there's just a couple things. Um, my roommate Dan, who's been on the show plenty, um, he. Uh, has never seen any of the Alien movies. So, I think just actually before Comic-Con, but I forgot about this, uh, we sat down and rewatched Alien together. Uh, and that movie is pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think that's no, an it, <laughs> it's, it's still an amazing movie. And um, I need I need to get back to work on my top 100 list because that movie is probably pretty high up on there. Nice. Um it was really cool though watching with him because he really had no he didn't know a lot of the things that it's I would crazy. expect you know, today it, people to know about I, it. I think it's that's that's awesome that someone is so new to it because you think it's such an iconic movie right. and everything is so well known. Yeah. So spoilers for Alien but uh he didn't know or expect the chess burst. Really? Like he knew something was going to happen but like was not expecting such a that famous scene, right? Um, and then Ian Holmes scene, right? When you find out that mm-hmm. Ash is a robot, that to me has always been the most, the more terrifying scene. Um, and it was, it was really neat to sit on the couch with him. And when, uh, when the one guy hits Ash and Ash's head, like basically pops off, like he sort of like laughed for a second, and then was like, "Wait, what's happening?" You know, because there's like milk spraying all over yeah, the place. Like that's it, what always creeped me movie, out when I was little. Exactly, because it just gets weird. Like you mm-hmm. just you don't know what's going on or why things are. 
or you know he starts like rolling around on the wall and like squealing yeah. or something and you're yeah. just like what the heck is going like this movie's getting weird and then you figure and then they tell you basically and you're like whoa i would love to not... see that movie with virgin eyes right you know what i mean like yeah have someone experience it yeah without knowing it i i was such a like film fan that like I'd seen Spaceballs before I saw Alien, hmm. so I knew the chestburster. <laughs> um, I didn't know Ash, but like, yeah, I, I, I can kind of remember seeing Alien for the first time and and what that felt like. But I think it, I was like fifteen or sixteen at the time. I watched it with my folks, and I, I was probably just so pretentious that I sat there and pretended like I knew what was going to happen next <laughs> all the time. Um, like, yeah, n- nothing's going to surprise me. Um, so if, yeah, if I could watch it now, having never known any of that stuff, that would probably be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's just such a smart movie and it, it's gotten me thinking cause he's now watched through two and three. Um, and just thinking about the way that that franchise evolved and all the, all the stuff that became canon afterward, right? Mm-hmm. Like when they made that movie, um, so little of what is now understood to be fact about the xenomorph wasn't really there. Um, things like, you know, uh, so he watched Alien 3 today, and we talked about the fact that, like, oh, that's the movie that introduced the idea that, like, the the xenomorph is different based on what it comes out of. So, mm-hmm. like, in that movie, it's more like a dog because it comes out of a dog and, like, that kind of stuff, um, which, you know, is, yeah. like, commonly understood and actually, like, a that that is actually the idea that makes Prometheus what Prometheus is and is, like, what spawns that whole... Uh, sort of re-envisioning of what the xenomorph is and where it comes from. Um, so that was that's been cool. Uh, and then the only other thing is that I I finally caught up on Fargo, uh, the TV show, um, and I am very pleased with what how that mm. how that show did. Um, Fargo is is one of my favorite movies. Um, while we're on the subject, easily in my top 25 movies of all time. Mm. Uh, I just, I just adore that movie, uh, and the score. And I talked about it early on, like they get, they get the tone and the atmosphere really perfect in that show. Um, and they build those characters to feel very similar to, uh, Coen brothers and especially Fargo characters. Um, my fear near the end was that they were going to either, pull their punches um, or tell me a story that I could predict um, or kill the people that I liked just to be shocking. And the, the when it was all said and done, I think they told a really unique and special story. Um, they were very willing to do things that you don't normally do in a show, um, which I'll, I'm going to spoil a little bit here. They actually... Uh, in the last four episodes, they jump forward an entire year. Um, so they tell you this whole story, and you feel like it's building to a place where, like, oh, okay, well, clearly they got to catch this guy. And then it sort of fizzles out, and they jump forward a year. And you're like, what? Whoa. What? All right. Now, all the rules are different now. Um, but it allows them to take these characters who start off either being uh actually most for the most part it's a lot of characters that start off being very wimpy and through uh all of their experiences uh redefine themselves in one way or another 
Um, and it's really an amazing, uh, like piece of character development. Um, so it's, it's an, it's a great show. People should definitely check it out. If you love Fargo, you will be amazed at how good an adaptation it is, uh, because it takes those themes and just explores them even further. Um, does a lot of the same stuff that that movie does as far as juxtaposing these very innocent people who really just want to have a normal life with a seemingly undefinable evil. Um, it it was very enjoyable. Um, so I are you going to get the Blu-ray? Yeah. So borrow you'll it. borrow Sweet. it. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're my TV guy. You know, I don't watch as much uh, TV shows as you do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, especially the dark ones where it's it's kind of nice to be able to just run through them as quickly as you can. Because mm-hmm. uh, this is a show, like, I sort of fell behind on it, and I'm kind of glad because it meant that over the last couple of nights I just got to, like, lay down in bed and watch some Fargo and then just keep burning through it. Uh, it's a, I'm totally going to watch it again because I, I think there's even stuff that I missed. Um, just a really smartly written show. So that's what I watched. Ryan, what did you see? Oh, man, I actually saw a few things this week. Um, I I meant to watch this before Denver Comic-Con, um, just because Bruce Campbell was coming. Um, but there's like only a few movies of his I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, one of them is Alien Apocalypse. Oh, which yeah. Which is um, a sci-fi movie. Yeah. Which is horrible. A sci-fi, you mean a like, sci-fi channel original, yes. not... I mean, it's called Alien Apocalypse. It's clearly a sci-fi movie. Yeah, um, I wasn't prepared for the horribleness of it. Yeah, um, I remember. I th- I think I saw parts of it on TV. Yeah, it's um, it, it asks you to make a lot of um, uh, assumptions of like you know what's happening. Um, Bruce Campbell and uh, a team of astronauts leave Earth, and they're in they're cryogenically sleeping or something for forty years, and they crash land which is Portland, Oregon, which is now like a desert wasteland. Um, and this is all explained to us while they're walking away from their crash land landed spaceship. Mm-hmm. But it was supposed to crash land there. And then they come back, they Ooh, what's wrong with the Earth? And they're telling you there's something wrong with the Earth instead of showing you. I mean, I, I understand that they can... They don't have the budget. They don't have to... the budget to tell you. Um, but it, the the characters in it... <laughs> They had guys who were bounty hunters for this race of, like, praying mantis aliens. Yeah. And they, you could tell they're wearing fake beards, fake wigs, <laughs> because obviously if you're going to do the sci-fi movie, they're not going to have a lot of time. And you don't want to grow out a beard in case you get another job. Um, it, it's really weird. Um, and everybody looked fake. Uh, Bruce, I mean, he's he's actually a good actor, but... Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do when you are part of a slave camp that's building, like, getting wood for these aliens so they can build their nest or I don't even know. Um, and then some people got their heads eaten off. Um, and it took about an hour into the hour and 20 minute movie for Bruce Campbell to be like Bruce Campbell, um, which I kept on waiting for. I was like, man, because the cover sells it like an army of darkness kind of uh, silly movie. And... Um, it really isn't. Um, mm. So I was kind of disappointed. Uh, I, I think I'll watch it again, but with a commentary, just to, yeah. to see what the director says. Uh, <laughs> see what they were thinking. Because there is a re- actually, there is a really funny line. Um, this one girl is being <laughs> raped by this guy, 
And um, her, the guy who has a crush on her tries to s- stop her. And then, of course, Bruce Campbell shows up. And um, and he's like, rape's not cool, kids. Pretty much. And it turns into a PSA. Uh, he says, what's, what's the setup? I forget, but the guy says uh, something because Bruce Campbell's a doctor. And he's like, you're not a doctor. You don't kill people. You heal them. And so Bruce Campbell shoots him with an arrow. And the guy says, wait a minute. Why are you killing me? And he says, you're the disease. And that's the cure. Like so, that's like a that's a funny brilliant. line because uh, yeah. you know he kills him, but uh, whatever. Um, if you want to watch a really cheesy, horrible TV movie, I guess you could do I really, worse. I really don't. Yeah, that movie came out during a period when like Sci-Fi Channel was just just pumping out garbage. I'm pretty sure it was like '98 or something. So is is it that old? Yeah, I, I so. remember it coming out. Maybe, um, maybe not. Maybe 2002 or something. It's yeah. it's older. But I that mean, yeah, that period from like. Of of like the early two thousands, like two thousand to two thousand and six, like they were just all every week there was a new like horrible CG dragon movie or like <laughs> Sabretooth with uh Jonathan Reese Myers mm-hmm. not Jonathan Reese Myers, um the other Jonathan Reese. Anyway. Um Yeah, it was So yeah. I mean if you're a Bruce Campbell fan, it's whatever. <laughs> Even for a Bruce Campbell fan, it was kinda hard to watch. Yeah. Um so I also went to Best Buy one day when I was supposed to be working because I was getting really mad because my assistant drives me crazy. <laughs> Irrelevant. But um, so they had a bunch of like $4 Blu-rays. Yeah. So I, I bought a few of them. And the only one I got to watch was Cobra, which is an old Stallone mm. movie. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen Cobra? No, I've never seen Cobra. Um, should I put it on my list of shame? I don't think it should be on your list of shame. But I will say that there's some sort of charm to watching an 80s action movie yeah. that I forgot because I haven't watched one in a while. So in it, Stallone plays this guy named uh, Cobaretti or Cobretti or something like that. And of, so it's, of course. So it's short for Cobra. Yeah. Uh, so he changed it to Cobra. And the opening, it's such a cliche. It's so awesome. So in the movie, there's like this serial killer club where there's a bunch of guys who go around killing people. Um, and the the leader of it's actually the guy who played uh, Luke and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He's in the very f- first two episodes for mm. The Harvest where he goes to uh, – uh, I can't think of the name of the stupid nightclub they always go to. The Bronze. The Bronze. And then, you know, he's up there and he's the guy who has a really deep voice. Oh. So he's the bad guy in Cobra. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. But anyways, there's like this club of serial killers, and they're going around town just killing people, and the cops can't figure it out. So, I mean, it's it's an interesting premise where there's they think it's one serial. Well, <laughs> this is where it gets fun. This is where it's a cliche. The captain of the police department thinks it's one guy, but Cobra knows it's more than one. Yeah. So they're always butting heads, and he's like, "You want me to solve this murder or not?" And then, wait, wait, wait was that Cobra? Yeah. Okay. And then the then the chief is saying, "You know what? You're reckless, Cobra. You're reckless." And then they get into like. <laughs> Pushing matches, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> they get into pushing matches? Yeah, because, you know, they'll, they'll be, like, in the captain's office. Right, no, no, and, no. And he's like, you're reckless. But do they actually, like, push each other like eight-year-old kids? Like, Bleh. Yeah, they get in each other's faces. And, yeah. Um, anyways, so. It's like exactly that scene that Last Action Hero is making fun of. Exactly. Yeah. It is exactly that scene. Um, so, <laughs> so Stallone, the beginning is this part of this serial killer, whatever. Um, he takes, he goes... This killer goes into this grocery store, and he's just, like, mowing people down with a shotgun. And he says this one guy's like, you're free to go. And the guy starts running, and just before he gets out, he gets wasted. Um, 
And then the, all the other cops are coming around, and the one cop comes up. He's like, call in Cobra. And so, <laughs> true story. And so <laughs> Stallone comes in in this, like, badass, like, hot rod car. He always has a match in his mouth for a toothpick and, like, aviators. And, of course. Um, so he's going around the, you know, the grocery store trying to trick the guy. Um, and he's holding these people hostage behind the butcher's counter. And then Stallone pops out through the <laughs> the walk-in cooler. So he kicks open the door and, like, all this, like, fog machine yeah. fog comes out. And a dove. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> um, and then the the bad guy is like, I have a bomb on me. I'm going to blow up this store. Stallone says, it's okay. I don't shop here anyways. <laughs> it's so cheesy. But it's great. And then uh, they're trying to say how Cobra doesn't go by the moral ethics of police officers, but he does. He, you know, but he also talks about how if, uh, if he catches this guy, then the judges and stuff will just set him free. And he has this like moral code where he wants to arrest, arrest him and he knows it's right. But then the last like big action scene is this, the motorcycle gang of all the serial killers come to where he's staying. And, uh, he's literally killing like hundreds of them. Like shooting them off their motorcycles, and it's like it's basically like Rambo two, where he's just killing everybody. Everybody is it, is it like Rambo two or is it like Rambo four? Not Rambo four. It's okay, not, it's, it's not, not that, it's over not the that top. many people. Okay, but I mean, I don't it's know a lot many... of people, but yeah. it's not fields of Cambodians. No, there's. I did read a thing about, and I watched this featurette about it. I guess it used to be, it was two and a half hours long. <laughs> and then the director saw Top Gun, and Top Gun was like 97 minutes, and yeah. everybody loved Top Gun. He's like, I need a trip. He cut 40 minutes out of the movie. Wow. So they cut all the other character development and only focused on Stallone's character and him, like, killing people. <laughs> um, so I'm not joking. He's killing all these people, and he's a cop, and he's just, yeah. like, mowing them down. He's in the back of a pickup truck just shooting everybody. Uh and then he gets to the end where he's fighting, you know, the big bad guy. And then the big bad guy has uh, Stallone's, like, kicking his ass. And then he stops. He says, you have to arrest me. You have to arrest me. He has this, like, long monologue, you know, typical 80s yeah. guy. And then Stallone says, uh, uh, something like, the law stops here. And he picks him up and puts him on, like, a metal hook. And then the guy goes through, like, this huge fire thing and, like, gets burned to death. It's awesome. <laughs> Oh man, dude! You, like, I'm not spoiling because you can, you know, if no. you've seen any '80s action movie, right? Like everything you just told me, like, is, is what I is what <laughs> I imagine when I think of an '80s action movie. And like, it's great because at the end, the police chief who's giving him a hard time shows up, and uh, he's like, "Do you need a ride home?" Someone says, "No, I got my own ride." He basically stole one of the dead guy motorcycle that he killed. Yeah, and he and he's like, "No hard feelings." And they shake hands, and someone's like, yeah, no hard feelings. And then he turns around and then just punches him in the face. Because <laughs> you can do that to your boss and not get in trouble. <laughs> uh, I remember the the like cover to that, that Blu-ray being awesome. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. Because it's just like Stallone standing exactly yeah, like with, you described a, him. Yeah, with a magnum and a match sticking out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah. you can see it. I have it. Uh, it's great. Um, I also watched, um, it's kind of my list of shame, because um, you know you got me interested in movies. Yeah. That, uh, and the one I picked up was The Adventures of Robin Hood. Starring Errol Flynn. Yeah, yeah, the Errol Flynn. That shit, that's on my list of shame. Yeah, it is. And you know how I got it is I was actually at Tradesmart, and they had a used copy, so I I, I don't know why people trade in movies like that. Yeah. Um, So I got it, and I have to say, there is a charm about these movies that Errol Flynn is having so much fun playing Robin, and it's it's infectious when you watch it. You know, he's uh, always messing with 
the sheriff of Nottingham. And uh, but what's really cool though, it, too, is he kills like tons of people. <laughs> um, yeah. In fact, he's killing them because. Uh, I mean, it's basically like the cartoon Robin Hood or Robin Hood Men in Tights. It's yeah. the same story if you've seen it, right. but told, you know. And it's kind of cool seeing a Robin Hood where he's not, you know, Kevin Costner or Russell Crowe, where it's right. this gritty. Not that they're bad movies. I'm just saying that, no. you know, it's like a fun, whimsical adventure movie. Right. Where Friar Tuck is um, passed out trying to catch fish, and he has all this food around, and all the guys make fun of him because he's fat. <laughs> and uh, they say, well, uh, this this one man's going to be joining our, our band of merry men. One man, he's more like three. And then everybody's like, <laughs> like that big like yeah. stage laugh. It's great. Uh, but the movie's lots of fun. And they even have some like cool effects in it. There's this uh, one shot where um, Robin is kind of assassinating like the bad guys. And he the arrow goes through a candle and the candle light gets blown out and mm-hmm. it hits the bad guy and he dies and the screen fades out. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, I had lots of fun watching the movie. Uh, it's, a, it's a really it's a great movie. It really is. And Claude yeah. Rains plays Prince John. Um, it's it's a really fantastic movie. And I can see why it's, I think it's a 9.0 on IMDb. Yeah. Um, 99 by Metacritic. So I, I can see why it's really popular. Because um, it's just a great movie and it's really romantic. And uh, uh, my favorite line actually is um, Robin comes into Prince John's big state dinner and, you know, he saved this one guy because the guy killed the royal deer on his land, and that's punishable by death. So Robin comes in with the deer, and he says something to um, that he's not going to follow Prince John. And uh, Prince John st- stands up, and he says, you realize what you're saying is treason. And you, you speak of treason, and uh, Robin's line is fluently. And it's mm-hmm. just cute lines like that. So, yeah, definitely pick up The Adventures of Robin Hood. It's cool. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's on my list just because I've actually never seen any Errol Flynn movies, which just seems like sacrilege. I haven't um, even, That's the first one I've seen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'd definitely pick up that one. Yeah, I'll check um, it out. And the last thing I saw, because it's going to lead right into the movie we saw, uh, yeah. is How to Train Your Dragon. Um, and it's a fun movie. It's cute. Um the, the the animation is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets better. Uh, but anyways, the <laughs> um, it's a cute story about you know it's it's the outsider story where you know the one stoic is the leader of uh, the Vikings and his son Hiccup is kind of the nerdy uh, meek guy and yeah. uh, he thinks outside the box and he realizes that maybe. Um, the dragons aren't the bad people yeah. in the land that um, maybe they are. And it's a really cute story about how he forms a friendship with his dragon that he not he shot down that no one would believe him. And, the the uh, may or may not look exactly like Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> know, right. Um, but it, th- that dragon has a really cute personality. Absolutely, um, yeah. It's just a cute movie. It really is. It's, it's lots of fun. Um, yeah, I had fun watching it. The thing that... Part of the reason why I've always loved it so much, um, and we'll talk about this more in the, the review of tonight's movie, um, is that is that there are actual stakes. Um, mm-hmm. I think that movie doesn't pull its punches the way that a lot of kids' movies do. And so, like, at the end of... Spoilers for How to Train Your Dragon 1, but um, at the end of that movie, when he, he wakes up and has lost a leg, um, and, you and like, he, we have this little boy character who... 
actually is wounded um, and almost and really did almost die. Like to have that kind of a uh, to have the stakes be that high and real in a, in a like kids family mm-hmm. movie to nowadays, it just feels very rare to me. It is, um, and I I just feel like they they utilize that very well to to tell the story and the lesson that they're trying to tell. Um, and then to be completely honest with you, the first time I saw it and most of the times that I watch it, um, as soon as he walks out and you realize that the, the leg that they have built for him hooks into the, the, uh, the saddle and that he and, and, and toothless are linked in that way. Mm -hmm. I, I get a little bit teary eyed almost (laughs) every time. Um, like I just, I, I, I love that story. Um, I think it's really funny. Craig Ferguson's hilarious. Yeah, you know in the what's first interesting one. too, and I, I didn't. Uh, Laura watched with me. It's it's a darker movie. It's it totally it's is. not really a kids animated movie. No, um, I mean, it's a. I would say it's a PG, like an eight or nine year old, mm-hmm. or even t- like we we forget that PG is supposed to be for movies for kids between like you know seven and twelve, right? Mm-hmm. Like. PG-13 is supposed to only really be for, like, teenagers who are almost adults. Mm -hmm. Um, But PG-13 has become, like, this bastardized, like, well, it's the rating that makes money, so it's for everyone. Um, And there should should be a field there for that are family movies that are telling lessons where there's something at stake, where we're talking about serious things, you know, like... Dude, the Lion King is dark. Mm. You know, like it's not a fun story, um, especially when you really break down what's going on in that movie. Like it's messed up. Yep. Um, so yeah, it, I I think it's good, and I I think there's a a really good place, and actually probably a need for darker kids movies. I like agree. That. It's you know it's the thing it's the thing I've been saying about the Last Airbender for years, um, and so it. That's it. It's it's probably that it, w- part of why I love the, this movie so much is that it pushes buttons that are already hot well, topic well, buttons. I for think me. It, what makes it um, interesting is there's actually something at stake, right? You know, it's not just oh, I could fly a dragon and then we beat this big dragon and I'm okay. No, yeah. he he is crippled by this, and yeah. there's consequences for him rushing mm-hmm. into something that maybe he shouldn't have. Yeah, wouldn't it be interesting if the stakes got even higher than that? Interesting. James, this week we went and saw How to Train Your Dragon 2. Should people go see How to Train Your Dragon 2? Uh, yes. Um, this is a darker movie than the first one, uh, substantially. Um, I don't think it's as much fun, and I don't think that it's as good, but I think it is a good movie that is worth seeing, and I really enjoyed my time with it. And it's gorgeous. Um, score is not as good as the first movie. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, the movie's pretty good. Um, not quite as much fun as the first one. Um, I don't think you could ever recapture what happens in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the animation is stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, here's a trailer for it. I'll talk about what parts of it really blew me away. There's a whole other world of dragons out there. Unbelievable. What do you say? What should we name it? Itchy armpit it is. I bet you think you know a lot about dragons. Can I know you? No. But another never forgets. 
Every dragon has its secrets. I'll show them all to you. Did you know about this? That's your mother? Now you know where I get my dramatic flair. <laughs> he likes you. Wow. Something is coming. Something you've never faced before. What's down there? I alone control the dragons. Drago Bloodfist is a madman. Oh, buddy, his fist with my face if he tries to take my dragon. Uh, Dad, there's something you need to know. Oh, boy. I know what you're gonna say. You're as beautiful as the day I lost you. <laughs> what a team now. Now, what do you want to do? Drago's coming for our dragons. We have to stop him. Together. Don't worry, bud. I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. You have the heart of a chief. That's my boy! And the soul of a dragon. You know that doesn't wash out. Cut them down! Dragon Riders coming through! So it takes place five years after the first one. Um, Hiccup is um, about to take over the uh, what, 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 uh, uh, Brink? Brick. Burke. 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 Thanks, Thank Taylor. you, Taylor. Uh, he's, um, he's about to take over Burke because uh, his dad wants to retire. And I, I think it's really cool that they actually jump forward that far in yeah. time. Like those characters are older and like almost adults now. Yeah. Um, it It's really kind of rare when you get to see a uh a kids movie or a family movie like that where the the kids that everybody was all the kids were supposed to relate to end up growing up as well and we yeah. see them progress. And it's you know, I do like the continuation of the story of uh Hiccup and what's his girlfriend's name? Uh Abigail. Astrid, Astrid. yeah. Thank you again, <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. Taylor. Um it, it's a cute story. Um yeah. the animation in it, um they, they up the stakes of the action mm -hmm. scenes. Um, but my actual favorite ones is when he's he's like crawling through uh, like the ice caves. Mm -hmm. It just looks so amazing. Yeah. Um, it's so lifelike. Yeah. Um, the lighting in it is so well done. Um, yeah, I mean, so Hiccup is basically going on a journey to discover himself while he's discovering the world that no one's ever been able to fully discover. Um and along the way, he meets uh, these guys who are interested in captu capturing dragons for Draco, um, Bloodfist, who is a chieftain of these old uh, Vikings, I guess. Yeah, um, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Uh, and along the way, he meets his mother, who we were told died 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and that's we learned that's where he got his dragon... Ability, yeah, whatever. It's um, it, he is more like his mom than he is his dad, and that, mm -hmm. that that's sort of the idea. Um, I I think that's the hardest part with this movie is that there's so much exposition there. Um, there there's so much story that mm -hmm. they have to get across, and it 
feels a little heavy handed and um it's it's just not as it's not as smooth as that first one was, you know, where that cuz the first one really got to be about this exploration and then this one they end up having to tell us a lot of history that is it's not really what I love. Um cuz it starts off really fun like you've got the you've got the dragon racing at the beginning and then and then we cut over to hiccup and that's when it really gets great and there's this that 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 scene that w- that was one of my favorite trailers from last year when um when he jumps off of toothless and opens his wings and the two of them are flying together and then they couple back up um though there is a scene missing there because when they land he never straight out says that he's training toothless to be able to fly without him um, it's clear that's what he's doing. Like he's trying to train Toothless so that Toothless can, so that if one day Hiccup's not there, Toothless will still be able to survive. Um, which is such an amazing and and powerful moment. And they never say it out loud. Um, and they like they never really address it the way I wanted them to. Um, but like their relationship is is cool and strong early on. And this is one of those tough movies where. You go through all that, you know, he meets all these people and it seems like everything's good and there's going to be this bad guy, whatever. Um, and so you just know, y- you have to trudge through some of that story knowing that it's all going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't go where I thought, though. I, I thought it was going to be a movie about how his mom was a dumb bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Taylor. Uh, but like as we were getting to know her, like I thought that, that it was going to kind of mirror the last movie where in the same way that he had to convince his dad that the dragons were safe, that he has to convince his mom that, that people can change and he has mm-hmm. to go. I thought his victory was going to be that he had to go and actually like convince these people like, no, you guys like we don't have to do this. Um, but I actually think it's more a, a much more interesting and much more adult story than that. Yeah. What's interesting too is, uh, you know, when I'm watching it. I always think back to the line Alfred says in the dark night, um, some people want to change the world. Some people just want to watch it burn. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, the bad guy in it. He doesn't really care. Right. You know? And even exactly. when when Hiccup, you know, tries to confront him, it's like, why? What's the point? What's the point of doing all this? And he doesn't have an answer. Mm-hmm. And he just wants to watch the world burn. Um, Which is, it's, that's a really cool, deep message that you don't hear a lot in, in kids' story or family stories like that. Um, and I don't, I, you know, the f- the first movie doesn't talk down to kids, and neither does this one. No. Like it straight up says, you know, there there is that line in there about um, uh, good dragons being controlled by bad people are bad dragons, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, like that's a that's a hard lesson to it understand. Really is. Um, here's big spoilers, and this is actually my biggest problem with the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, is Hiccup is confronting Draco. And you learn that alphas, well, you kind of knew that from the first one, that yeah. alphas can control um, the dragons. Mm-hmm. And so the alpha controls Toothless. And, I, I mean, I, the way they set it up, I knew his dad was going to take the shot. I knew his dad wasn't going to make it. Yeah. Um, I, the one thing I didn't like is I didn't like Hiccup's reaction to it. Because to me, it seems uh, so contrived. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, he's like going to push him away now and he's going to get him away and I don't want to deal with you anymore. And um, he, Yeah. I, I, I would agree. The, I understand the motivation, but to me it just cheapens uh, his father's death. I think if he actually tried right then and there to reconnect with Hick, uh, Toothless, I think it would have been more powerful for Toothless just to go away. 
instead of doing the crybaby, get out of here. Like, oh, that, I see that just reminds me of Benji or something. Yeah. Um, I would much rather him try to do it like immediately. If, like if Toothless had, had realized what he did and ran away yeah. in fear, and then and, and, uh, Hiccup was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, the movie still works, and I'm not any. Yeah. No, but I just, agree. Just in my mind, um, but it's still a powerful moment. Yeah. Um, uh, and and I, you, watching as many movies I have, you know, I get used to this cute scene with him and his wife being reunited, and they're having lots of fun. Um, it, it's a manipulation of the audience. It totally is. Um, it, it's still effectively done, and I mean the the song's cute. Um, them falling in love is really cute again. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Like the scene when he comes upon her and like oh, just is walking towards her and she's like apologizing and apologizing. Oh, his reactions just killer. See, that's the part that actually got me like I, I didn't cry, but like got my emotions going. Yeah. Because it's so well animated, so beautiful, and you, ex- because this is where I knew I knew what he was doing, but I still loved the way he did exactly. it. Exactly, like I knew he wasn't going to get up there and be like, "Wah!" Um, but, but there's, he's such a a big character, and to see that gentle part of him, I think is, right. um, is interesting because you know you would expect that for him to be upset. Instead of being upset, he is in love again and it's yeah. it's a really fascinating um turn and it, it does a good service to the first movie because mm-hmm. the um that character in the first movie probably wouldn't have reacted that way exactly um and and, and you know that's what's cool too is because you know uh hiccup is trying to tell his mother's like no people change you know yeah um, stoic change because and i changed him i changed him and it was you know that you know i didn't talk about it when i was talking about how to train your dragon but the scene where uh Toothless is captured, and Hiccup goes down there, and you know, in the water, and Stoic throws him on the thing, and then Stoic goes back under there and rips off his uh, Toothless's chains, and it's like his character changed there, mm-hmm. and it, it's it. Gerard Butler plays him so well. Um, yeah, it, it's really well done. And I think that if you took if you take both movies together, I think that the the overarching story, um, and I, I it would be interesting to see a third one and see where they take it, but. Um, the overarching story of, of watching Hiccup um, become more and more like his father uh, in all the best ways, right, um, is really interesting and inspiring and a really cool uh, character um, and, and a development that I don't think we you get very often, yeah. right? Like a, a lot of a lot of animated movies, the characters will change in in one way. Um, but they won't necessarily grow yeah. the way that we've seen Hiccup grow. And too, it's um, you know what's cool too is he's not going to be his father. He's never going to lead like his father. No, no, no. So it's great that the writers and the makers of this movie never turned their back on who Hiccup was. Right, I think is a great testament to him. And I was impressed. I was worried that Jay Baruchel wouldn't pull off the character. I don't know if that because you know when I think of it, I don't think of him. Yeah, but as you get into the movie, you're like, oh no, he's pretty perfect for this role, and yeah. he does a great job with it. Because he does, he does come across as just being more. It, some of it's the dialogue, but he comes across as being more mature. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a little bit more fire in him, and like, uh, yeah. Um, All the um, dragon designs are cool too. I love that oh, totally. each one looks different. Um, uh, I don't think that the alphas to me in this one don't seem because they're almost exactly the same like they didn't seem as cool as as and dangerous as the one in the first movie did um, yeah but i guess they're going for something different though yeah yeah because um, 
They, and those I action scenes were cool. Uh, for sure. Was it Fish Stub? What's the kid's name? I forget. But I think he mentioned that they're like Leviathans. Yeah, yeah, something. yeah. When he's doing the oh, man. See, and that's the, I don't think this one's as funny as the first one. Mm, no, 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 no. Like the, I, it, the humor in it is not. Yeah. I mean, the only, the part I actually did uh, really. There's a couple moments I laughed is uh, when one of the twins saw uh, the what's the regular's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and then remember. like it focuses in on his biceps with like sweat pouring down it and then when she's yeah. saved by the two guys who are fighting for her affection and it's yeah. in like slow motion and she's like torn between the two that's pretty yeah. funny and cute but. yeah i agree and it, it, to me it just feels like there's um part of what's so enjoyable about the about the first one is those characters and like all the funny little slapsticky moments um and this one i feel like there's just so much exposition and so much story early on that we just spend too much time away from those people and and they we don't get as many of those moments as I would have wanted. Um, still, like, I really like this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. There's, it, a, there's, it, there's nothing wrong with the movie, it, really. Yeah, it's super strong and, and again, better than 90% of the kids' movies <laughs> I've seen for the past, like, eight years. Yeah, and we're really um, just nitpicking, you know? It's like Oh, totally. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's still a fantastic it's movie. It's just the things that, like, to me come across as it being a little bit too rushed. Yeah, me too. You know? Um, Which sounds weird about movies four years in the making, but yeah, and and I'm probably being nitpicky also because I adore the first movie so much that like I want I wanted them to give me that again, and they got pretty dang close to be completely honest. Um, but yeah, I'll watch good. it again. Oh, it's, I'll, I'm gonna buy it. Like um, the animation alone is, yeah, yeah, and I like I, I really like Hiccup. I would love a third movie. Um. There we have it planned, I think, so. Yeah. Grow them up a little bit more. Yeah. Like, give them, you know, two more years and um, just let it be an adventure and not an, like a not a backstory. That's what I want. Agreed. So. Next week we're going to go see Transformers. Is that next week? Yeah. Holy crap. Wow. How did that pop up so quick? Man. You're really excited for this one, huh? Uh. I will see any movie where I, cars. I turn think we robots. got a transformer. Great, great, awesome, awesome. That was is my it going to transform? Mark. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, is it going to turn into a robot? Is it going to fight other robots? I don't know, but then it has a, like the trailer has Stanley Tucci say the horrible line: "The age of transformers is over." Like, what, what's Optimus Prime going to do? Go cry in a corner? If I saw Optimus Prime, I'd shoot him. <laughs> uh, or cut him in half with your giant ass sword. Yeah. yeah. While riding a dinosaur. Yeah. Things are going to blow up. It's going to look cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Should be fun. Dude, do, remember last week when we got to see the uh, the Michael Bay shot? Do you mm-hmm. remember that the, in, in 22 Jump Street? There's that, like, plane flies over a big sign yep. of that's the name of a city. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Well, they also had the John Woo, you know, Chang Tatum. What's with all the doves? Yeah. Get away, doves. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, dude, I'm excited. Yeah, it'll be I, fun. You know, what, what it's going to be, like, horrible? No. <laughs> anyway. It'd still be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, 
for the wonderful late night jazz smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.